Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Praise the Lord. I salute each and every one this morning with the honorable and the blessing words of grace, mercy, and peace. May they be multiplied unto you. In that, as I always say, there's not just a word from the Lord, but there's a revelation from Him. Amen. So for those of you that have the word of the Lord with you on this morning, there's only a couple of verses I want to look closely at, amen, to hopefully give revelation and illumination. And the scripture that I'm referring to is John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, and then we'll move to chapter 15, verse 16. But for those of you that have it, if you can, for those in the presence of this place, if you could kindly stand on your feet as we seek to reverence the word of the Lord. Amen. We give honor and respect it. Amen. John chapter 14. And we're looking at verses 12 through 14. Once again, once you have found it, please signify by graciously standing on your feet and saying, I've got it. I got it. Amen. And here in John 14, verses 12 through 14, the scripture says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, and I'm reading to you all from the standard King James Version. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, if you turn over to chapter 15, amen, and in chapter 15, verse 16, there is another complementary verse of this passage, amen, and Jesus is speaking once again because we're noticing it's in red print, amen, and the scripture says, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever you shall ask of the father in my name he may give it 
you. Amen. If I had to give a title for you to begin to register within your spirit, it would be divine character is in the asking. Divine character is in the asking. Amen. And as all have seated themselves in the presence of the Lord, divine character is in the asking. Good morning, church. Uh, in this, as we're all aware that the Lord gives not only words, but he gives revelation and illumination to the body of Christ, still staying within the same theme that we've been on since January about the character of the Lord God. There's something that the Lord has caused to resonate in me as the spokesperson on his behalf this morning regarding this character. Amen. As we all have been able to begin to assess, character is what makes up the countenance of who a person really is. Amen. However, unfortunately, we live in a world that believes in being in imposters that pretend to have character. We live in a world that every day you can pretend to be something or someone else. And in that, in your pretending, it, it actually determines how good you are at doing it based upon how much effort you watch the character that you're mimicking. Amen. Uh, I know somebody's really hearing me and thinking about that right now because some people act like superheroes, but then they become devils in the next minute because character is what makes you who you are to the world. And isn't it funny that people watch you for your character more so than who you claim that you are? I don't know if I can get an amen this morning or an ouch because some people have failed to realize that it, if, if you're wanting people to look at you versus being lambs, look at me, look at me, look at me. What people are prone to look at without you saying anything is what your character looks like. Amen. Now, now, I don't know, some people want to create their own character because you think you Stan Lee. Some people want to create your own character because you think you got the power of DC. I don't know, some people can really hear what I'm saying because isn't it funny that for those big icons, and notice I say icons, which John talks about in Revelation chapter 13, but the icons are of the world make people either decide if they want to be a villain or if they want to be a superhero. And based upon the character that you choose, uh, it begins to speak how your steps are ordered. Uh, but I believe David said in the book of Psalms, order my steps in your word. 
Uh, so the question is, what's ordering your steps? Is it a comic book right now or is it the word of the Lord uh, that speaks to character from generation to generation to generation to generation? I don't know if somebody hype with me right now. I'm still feeling like a firecracker ready to pop off this morning. Uh, but it's a thing about character that somebody needs to really understand and gravitate to uh, because see January to now is not going to be the precipice of what the character is. Uh, it's only the incubation period that right now somebody in the womb evolving into character. But the thing is, is somebody singing a lullaby to you while you're in the womb about being the right type of character or are you trying to get your jam by a world song in order to establish what your character is going to look like? Amen. I don't mean no harm this morning, but truth is truth. So as I began to look at this and the Lord says, there's something about character that still needs to speak to the body of Christ. There's something about character. And see, when I began to understand character, notice that in the title of the message, I declared that character is in the asking. Now, I know some are looking like looky-loos right now because you're on the other side of the river. You don't want to touch too close to the prophetic. But while you're looking and gazing uh, like stargazers versus being those who are illuminators of the word of the Lord, the question becomes, what is your ask? What is your ask? See, if I may... And I believe I'm going to teach a little bit this morning. Amen. What the scripture says here for those that are Bible readers in John chapter 14, verse 13. If I can begin to get into the text to bring some revelation to you and hopefully illumination. The scripture says, and this is Jesus speaking once again. He says, whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. Now watch this. There's a lot of askers in the camp when it comes to people that I'm going to say read the word of God, not necessarily believe the word of God, read the word of God. And so some people use that to determine if God is God, because watch this. Y'all are with me. There's some people that ask God for stuff that don't even have a relationship with him to see if he real. And they want to use his manifestation of what they ask in order to validate that he's real so that they can say, I believe in him. And so in that, some of us begin to wonder, especially those that are non-believers, how come he don't answer to their prayer like they ask? But the question becomes, were they in his name in what they asked? Hmm. Begins to make you think. Because... Once again, as, 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 as we look at this, he says, Verily, verily, in verse 12, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the worst that I do shall he do also. Now, notice that Jesus, in the beginning of this verse, he says, verily, verily, I say unto you. And the thing is, he wants to dismiss any doubt in your mind on what he's about to say. 
See, when you say verily, verily, it, it, it's amen, amen. Just like we say amen, amen. So he says, faithfully or without a question, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. Now we got to look and, and understand this thing because the believing on him is not in the simplicity of you just saying it out of your mouth. Amen? Uh, understand, if I'm going to believe on him, the word believe in the Greek is pisteo, and pisteo means to trust or to be confident in or to entrust. Okay, so then my belief is based upon what I trust or what I put confidence in. So he says, if you believe on me. Okay, okay, watch this. Hope nobody missed this. He says, if you believe, keyword, on me. Okay, watch this. If I can teach you something. If he's in you, that means you're supposed to be on him. Uh, okay, come on somebody. Come on. Watch this. The thing is, if he's in you, then you're supposed to be shaped on or around him. Watch this. Then he says, if you believe or trust what's already in you to make you on what's in you. Listen, listen to me. He says, then the works that the him in you does, you shall do. Okay, watch this. Watch this. So, so what he says is this. He is the nucleus that's within all of us as the source. And watch this. In retrospect, when you look as to what's in you versus trying to gaze as to what's on the outside of you, he says, I began to show you a revelation of me in you so you can see what you can do. See, some people, watch this, Bishop, are looking in the wrong direction in order to, to do his will. We're trying to look outside of ourselves to see the will of the Father. But he said, if you trust what I put inside of you, uh, and you begin to look at the me in you, and you be on the me, I can begin to show you what your assignment and your purpose is in the earth for you to manifest that externally outside of yourself. Amen. Amen. So he, he says this. He says, the works that I do shall he do or you do also. John 14, 12 through 14 is very profound in this. Because watch this. I need to touch this thing about works. Some may not have a real revelation on this thing of works because unfortunately the world has you discombobulated to make your works look like they your job. Some people have twisted up works to be your job. 
understand, this word works that's used here in the Greek dialect uh, is the Greek word ergon. And ergon means business or profession or labor. All right? All right, now watch this though. However, understand this. Ergon is not in the context of you filling out a job application for somebody to cause you to pretend to be a character of a job that you do that you don't feel within yourself. Watch this. Works or the ergon as to the word in the Greek as to what it means is what your lifestyle is conducive to regardless of if you getting payment for it. Listen, listen to what I'm saying. The Lord says your works are, are consider the deeds of what you live as a lifestyle because it's your business or your character that you wake up to and you go to bed to. A job is something that you only do nine to five. A job is something that you look at your job description or you look at the application to say I can do that in the moment and it's only something that I do temporarily but it's something that I don't live to because it doesn't define who I am uh, but some people been discombobulated by the world and you think that your career in the Lord is about the badge that you put on at the back of the church and you play play uh, if you want to be a usher you play play uh, if you want to be a preacher you play play uh, if you want to be a deacon I don't know if it's hitting somebody right now in an ouch moment but what the word of the Lord is declaring is understanding what your work is versus your job. Amen. Amen. It's tight, but it's right. Understand this. So, 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 watch this. He, he says your works. And see, if, if I can still hold that word for a moment. When it comes to your profession in the Lord, Bishop, when it comes to your real works, some people don't like having to be crippled in what they do. Come on, man. Bring it up. Okay, silent crowd. Let me speak to the ceiling fans. Some people don't like doing a profession because they have hazard signs that come up in their life that says, I don't want to be crippled doing that. Amen. Some are probably saying, Apostle, why are you going there in the crippling state of what the profession is? Well, I'm glad you didn't ask because I'm going to tell you anyhow. The reason I go there is because as I gave you a revelation, the Greek word for works is ergon. But some should have had an aha moment because ergon is where you get ergonomics from. Okay, watch this. Some people that do their profession in a job at work, i.e. if you a white collared person that works at a computer, watch this. Because you keep hitting the keys and striking them so long, what you end up getting is pain or so in your wrist and in your fingers. Uh, so what happens uh, is somebody begins to say, hey, I want, as the military and government says, reasonable accommodation. Uh, and what I'm talking about reasonable 
reasonable accommodations uh, if somebody needs an ergonomic keyboard. Uh, so what happens is there's something that can accommodate and ease your pain for the job that you're doing so you can still be productive. Uh, so if somebody really has a revelation right there, then when I work for the Lord, the Lord already got a plan stashed for you. He's looking to see if you will be faithful in your works, even if it cripples you, but you're faithful unto death like Paul said, and he said, I got reasonable accommodation for you. I already got something as a plan on the side in order to accommodate your crippling factors so that you can continue to work for me. I don't know if somebody can high five him right now in the Holy Ghost and say thank you Lord for giving me a job that may cause me to have to suffer some pain but yet in the job it's meant for me to go through that because you got a payment plan that's going to fix my condition. God. Oh, somebody, somebody needs to see that. We already got folks jumping and shouting that's here. You wish you could be on this station in this place. Ah, but hopefully that's something that I ha somebody and say, thank you, Lord, because now I, I, I ain't got no fear working for you. I ain't, I ain't got no concerns that what you're demanding of me is going to take too much out of me and you can't replenish it. So he says, and the greater works, these shall you do. These shall you do. Now watch this. Can I still teach, Elder? What do I do? I need to touch that two-letter word in our dialect. He says, the works you shall do, but, but you have to understand what you're doing. Okay, okay, watch this. That word do, if I may default to the Greek again, is poieo, P-O-I-E-O. And what's interesting is poieo is about what you make or what you produce. Now listen to me. If my works, ergon, may cause me to have some ergonomic needs, it's not stuff that I'm just doing to pass time. Watch, watch this. The Lord says, Reasonable accommodation for your career field in me is not for you to be play play and nothing be produced out of what you're doing. See, there's some people in the kingdom that look like they're doing something but ain't doing nothing. And see, I believe the songwriter says nothing from nothing leaves nothing. I know somebody hears me right now deacon up in the top, waving hands because he knows that's the truth. And there's some right now that ain't hitting on nothing as the old folks used to say. And it's because I'm doing busy work, but it's not work that's productive or producing anything for the kingdom. 
Because see, watch this. If Jesus is in me and I'm shaped around him, then you can't tell me my Jesus can't produce nothing. The devil is a lie. If you claim it that you're doing what he said doing, ain't nothing popping off and coming out as no fruit in your life, then some wrong, something else is in you versus him. Uh, Y'all know it's tight, but it's right. Because see, watch this. Still, as Jesus is speaking, he says not only are you supposed to do works, but the works that you do shall be produced and they'll be greater. They'll be magnified. They'll be expanded. Why is that so? Because it falls with your original assignment as a human being. For those that are Bible readers, when you turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28, the scripture says, let us make man in our own image after our own likeness. Amen. People are Bible readers. You, you know that's the truth. But when you look at verse 28, the scripture says, for you to be fruitful multiply, replenish, subdue, and have dominion. So in this, Jesus says the reason that I'm in you is in order for you to be faithful to what you was designed to be. I don't just get in you in order to just be there and for me and you to play pity pat. The reason that I'm inside of your life is meant for you to shape yourself on who I am in you in order for you to be obedient to your original assignment. Because apparently you can't do it by yourself. And as long as I'm in you, then I can keep you accountable to what the Father designed you to be in Genesis chapter 1. I don't know if I'm ministering to somebody right there, but now you say, thank you, Jesus, for being in me because you're going to keep me accountable to who I am. So now in this, as we understand this, because he says, uh, as long as I can do that in you, I can go to my father. And in the going to my father, he says, watch this, I can transition or transform or transfigure. Okay. Okay. Watch this. In the reality of the matter, then if he goes to the father because you're doing that, that means you get to have a free ride to go to the father as well. Because right now he's in you and the intent is for you to do what your assignment is to get you to the father. So he says you go to the father with me based on you doing what's in you. I don't know if somebody's learning something there. Moving on though, verse 13, he says, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father, watch this, may be glorified in the Son. Okay, you can paperclip that right there and hold the moment. Listen to what Jesus is saying right here that not only speaks to the audience that he's talking to 2,000 years ago, it speaks to you in your now. He says, whatsoever you shall ask in my name. Now watch this. I had to go look at that word ask. And when I went to look at that word ask, what's very interesting is how the dictionary defines it. The dictionary defines the word ask as saying something in order to get an answer or information. 
Now hold that. Some may begin to look in the sky and say inquiring minds want to know. Uh, why? Well, uh, if, if I'm going to ask a question, is what's driving my question only to get an answer? Is what's driving my question only to get information? Well, see, the thing is, according to what Jesus was implying, when he says the word ask, it, it's the Greek word ato. And the word ato means to call for or call forth. Uh, it means to crave, desire, or require. So listen to the difference. According to our cultural understanding, our asking doesn't do anything to drive an action out of us. Amen. Could it be that's why some people also are not getting any manifestation out of the Lord being in their life because all they want is information without doing any work that is associated with what they're requesting. Whereas when I understand as a believer that what I ask of the Lord is something that's going to require work. What I ask of the Lord is something that's going to expand me. What I ask of the Lord is something that now requires more than just the question being presented. Listen to me, listen to me. When I ask, my asking is something that calls forth or calls for something to come forth. Listen, listen to what I'm saying. So, so that means the posturing of the questions that I give to the Lord is not meant for good information to do a book report. The, the, the intent of when I ask something of the Lord, it's meant for something to be produced or something to be manifested. Right now, I know somebody can high five him in the Holy Spirit right now because you can say right now, I'm changing my questions to you, Lord. I'm not going to have non-productive questions to you. My questions that I ask of you are for me to produce something according to your will and your purpose in my life. So now that I know what the asking is of him, notice that the scripture says anything that you ask in my name. Yes. Yes. Anything that you ask in my name. Now let me kill this false theology. Anything you ask while putting Jesus' name at the beginning and the end of the prayer. Anything you ask by speaking in tongues and saying every name that the Lord is referenced as in the scriptures and think that's going to produce something. Now, I'm not saying that it can't, but however, this is the context that Jesus is speaking when he says anything that you ask in my name, the word name in Greek is anoma, which means character. In Hebrew, it's shem, which means character or reputation. Okay, so now, brrr, let's roll it back. The verse says then, whatsoever you ask or want to bring forth or come into fruition or desire, that is in my character. Somebody should have had an aha moment right there. Whatever you're trying to pull 
from celestial realms in your prayer language unto the Lord. The Lord God is saying through Christ, if you ask it in my character, it shall be given unto you. Because he's giving it to himself that's in you. Amen. Anything you ask in my name, anything you ask that's in my character or for my character or about my character. I hope I'm speaking to somebody right now to give you a breakthrough of a greater place of understanding what this is really all about. So now he says, those things that you ask or desire that are associated with my character, he says that, meaning, watch this, the words that you speak of what you ask, he says, I will do. So watch this. Can I give somebody a revelation? You have to posture your question right in order for the action to come to fulfill the question. See, if you are producing rogue questions to God that don't make sense, could it be that's why some things are fragmented that come into your life? If you don't have order to the question that you got, he says, it's based upon the order of you thinking a thing out because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. When you think a thing out, when you're asking of the Lord God, he says, I'm going to follow the sequence of what you asked. Divine character is in the asking. Yes. <sighs> okay. Let me move on. Let me move on. He says, that will I do. Okay. And see, watch this. That he will do because he uses you to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Don't, don't miss it. Remember, he said, if you believe on him, first part of the text that we're looking at, then if he's in you and you're on him and he says that I will do. Notice he didn't say that the father will do. He said that I will do. So, so that means there's something that begins to operate within each and every one of us to bring what we've asked into fruition. So there should be character behind what we ask and how we ask so that in the order of Christ Jesus that it comes in fruition according to his will and his purpose. And see, when it begins to come into fruition, he says, that the Father may be glorified. So the Father wants to be glorified in you. It's not just a thing that we bow down and worship and praise him. Could it be that the Lord God wants to be worshiped and praised based on the productivity that you do by you asking the right questions in the right character in order to demonstrate him in the earthen vessel that you are? And while you are the earthen vessel that you are, that you began to order your steps according to his word and ask things according to his 
his character. Now he says, I get glorified in and through you. And when I say glorified, the, the Greek word for glorify is doxa, which means to celebrate. It means to honor. It means to magnify. It means to praise and it means to worship. So in my praise and worship of the Lord, uh, then he says the actions that you do by asking the right questions and being in the right character, he said, now I can celebrate you because you're celebrating me in the actions that you do. See, the thing is, the Lord God apparently wants celebration of him to go two ways. He's, he still wants you to praise and worship him as we come together as believers or as you get into your private moments with him. But in the same turn, he wants to be celebrated in you. He wants to be able to clap every time he sees you as a child because he sees himself. Every time that the Lord can see the glory of himself operating in you by you being a S-O-N. And watch this, I'm not talking about the S-U-N, by you being the light to, to, to everything else. He wants you to be the S-O-N, which means his kindred spirit. See, understand, when it comes to being the sons of God, the word son in the Greek is huios. And, and huios means spiritual kindred that is is a replica or, or is an expression of something that has been the source. So as spiritual children of the Lord, we become the S-O-N because we have the genetics hidden within us, as we said in the beginning of the text, of him being in you. He says, my DNA is there. But it takes the work of you and the questions in your character in order for the me that's in you to be seen externally of you. And the external sight of it is going to be based upon if you're in retrospect looking at self looking at what's within you in order to ask the right questions and get the right revelation and get the right illumination for you to perform so that my father is proud. Amen. That's why in the book of Revelation, the scripture says, well done, my good and faithful servant. It ain't about what you did for the world. It's about what he did in you for the world. When you're in correct context of having Christ within you, that's the applause that is being referenced in the book of Revelation when you're seen before the throne of the Lord God. What does he say here in verse 14? I'm trying to wrap this up. Verse 14, he says, If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you ask anything, if you speak any words that are representative of my character, I will do it in you. I will make it come into fruition. Listen, listen, listen to me. Because see, understand this. Character is what drives your works. Not your job. Let me say this again. Character is what drives your works. <clears throat> if you think about it, any and everything you do in your life right now, 
It's not just you thinking about doing it. You have a passion to do it because it has become ingrained in what your character represents. Mm -hmm. So if that be the case, watch this, then that says to you, depending on what your character looks like, is going to determine what you do in your life. And if your character don't look like nothing, or if your character has been shaped by the world, could it be that's why you're still in idolatry? Could it be that the world has you in an idolatrous place because you ain't doing nothing? Uh, okay, I remind everybody, what is idolatry? The practice of worshiping something that does nothing. So if your daily practice is doing nothing, then you're still an idolater. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't mean that you got to have an idol in your house and bow down to it. Some of us are still idolaters in the actions that we don't do. So then that means apparently there's something flawed in your character that you like being lazy. There's something flawed in your character that you like being slothful. There's something flawed in your character because I could have swore from, Revel from Genesis to Revelation, everything is about the day, which is a metaphor for the time to work. It, it's, it's, it's a metaphorical saying to say, you are supposed to work while there's daylight. So if you're not working, then there's something. And, and I'm not saying that as a slant that somebody doesn't have a job or or, or something to that. Listen to what I'm saying though. Under spiritual context, if there's nothing that you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis according to the word of the Lord, then apparently how do you have the audacity to even ask him for anything? Because in the asking of what you're seeking out of him, it should be to help you do your daily job for him. Many people want the benefits of the Lord God, but you want to use them wastefully. You want to use them for your own hidden agenda. And the thing is, the Lord is declaring by his word that any and everything that I give you is according to what you ask. And what you ask should be according to glory. And if you're asking according to my glory, then I'm going to bring it into fruition for your life. Because as I bring it into fruition for your life, it's for yours, your generation, your next generation and the generation after that because it is something that's supposed to help the seed of the spirit in order to build the kingdom. Why are we prostituting because we're not asking in the right character? Why are we prostituting the things of the Lord God because it's all about me? It's all about everything that I want. It's all about my arrogance. It's all about my pride. But yet the Lord God is not in the midst of what we're asking. And he says, how dare you come before the throne of grace, even in your prayers, and ask rogue stuff that doesn't line up with me, but yet you want a manifestation of it. And it's to no good for my kingdom. Why is it that I have to pull it from you in order to give it to somebody else? Because the word even declares uh, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Sometimes in our rogue prayers, the Lord God says, wow, since you won't get in character, but yet you want to petition some things, there's somebody else that's praying what you're praying, but they have my agenda in mind. Uh, so easy. I, I, I'll use your prayer to help it come into fruition, uh, but 
but I'll slide it from you and let it go to them because they know my agenda in the earth and now I'm active in their life to make it worthwhile. So now let me touch this last verse if I may. Let me touch this last verse so we can get out of here. What does he say in John 15, 16? It segues way here to chapter 14, 12 through 14. Uh, notice that it's from one chapter to the other. Jesus still says this. He says, watch this, even in the process of the asking, even in the mindset of the character that we live. Watch this. He says, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Mm. You can stamp that right there. That's a station break. See, because watch this, watch this. I want to make sure you get this. Even what you ask the Lord like I said here earlier, some people are not meant to ask him things in order to choose him as their God. Because some people, like I said here earlier, you'll, you'll ask him to prove himself so that you can say, I choose him. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's, it's, it's a funny thing because some people kind of miss that thing when Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. Well, see, the, uh, you got to understand the choosing is double-sided. Let him choose you in order for his choosing to make you choose him. Uh, Y'all got to understand this. He chooses you, not you choosing him. Now, I remind everyone when we talk about this thing of choosing, it's in the selection. But watch this. The selection is based upon somebody being tested and tried. You don't test and try God. The Lord God tests and tries you. Reason being, you're the created, not the creator. Everybody that makes something as a creator, everybody that, that's a manufacturer of something, they're the ones that's authorized to test what they make to make sure it works. Uh, okay, the, the item that they make don't turn around and say, okay, you made me, now I got to test you for making me. L listen how, how ludicrous that sounds. And, but, but yet, the world in ignorance think that's how it works when it comes to God. Since you made me, I got to test you to make sure you made me right. <laughs> Since you made me, I got to test you to see if you're real in order for me to believe in you as my manufacturer. You better get out of here with that. That's just craziness that we continue to perpetuate in the body of Christ, even with the ignorant questions that we ask. And as I say ignorant, I mean we become mentally challenged by the things that we do not understand or comprehend. Amen. So in this, what the scripture says, he says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. He's the one that puts you to the test to make sure in his manufacturing of you, you can be perfected, you can be matured, you can be arrived. Amen. And so in the choosing, he says, watch this. Not only do I choose you, but I ordain you. And watch this in the ordination. What he says is I appoint you for establishment. Listen, listen, listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm saying now. He, he chooses you, but watch this. There's a conjunction and ordains. Okay, so watch this. In the making of you, 
He says that I'm not done with you. Uh, so somebody should have shouted right there. In the making of you, I'm not done with you. When I made you, you was just a template that yet I've got to customize. And when I customize you, at the end of the race, watch this. If somebody says, choo-choo, with a train that's on the track, even though Amtrak has trains that come along, some folks, when they get in the groove with the train that they ride, and they love it as a luxury liner, they begin to paint it. They begin to dress it up. They began to put leather seats in it. They began to put a sound system in it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So in that, it's the same thing you did with your car. You didn't like it when it came off the, 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 the manufacturing line when you got it at the dealership. You did additives. And in the same turn, sometimes you said, well, I ain't going to do no additive until something break down. Well, the Lord said, well, when it break down, we're going to do additives then. So in that, the additive that you had, watch this, it still costs you a price. That means there's something that's crippling or there's something that's going to be a cost in the perfecting or the maturing of something beyond its original manufacturing. Y'all got to hear me. The character is in the asking. Divine character is the asking. So in this he says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Alright, so that I can also ordain you, meaning appoint you to being established. Even though I made you, I'm giving you another assignment in the making. I'm giving you more character than what you was created with. You was created in my character. Let us make man in our own image after our own likeness. Genesis 1, 26. So it said, I made you in my character, but there's some work that fulfills my character. In Genesis 1, 28, be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, have dominion. Those are character additives. So, so in this, as he chooses you, he says there's some additives that you begin to work that makes you look different when you're done. I want you to look different than, than, than what you were when you came out of the womb. Why, why, why do you think you look different than you were as a baby? Because character is being added to you. I know some folks even say the grade that we, we pick up, it adds character to you. Because there is an evolution that happens. Uh, and watch this, in the evolution that happens to you, there's something that we're supposed to be asking that falls in the line of divine evolution. So, so in this he says, uh, 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 I didn't choose you, uh, or excuse me, you didn't choose me, I chose you so that I could ordain you, so that I could evolve you, so that I can establish you to be a little bit more than what you were created as, because character is being added to you. And then he says that you should go and bring forth fruit. You should go and bring forth fruit. And the fruit should remain. He can tell you to do something that he didn't give you in your original creation. Didn't I just say in Genesis 1, 20, the very first thing he said is be fruitful. So in the character that he's building on you based on the character that you were made in. 
He says it's for you to produce fruit. How many of us have asked him about the fruit? Some that ain't never came out your mouth. We ask him for anything and everything else, but isn't it an indictment against the kingdom that you never ask him for your fivefold ministry of Genesis 1:28? It's crazy. You don't even know what they are. Some people can recite them, but don't have a clue. A, E, I, O, or U of what any of those five are, what they're supposed to do, or really what they're supposed to do in and for you. Because they're supposed to make you better in Him. That's why He says, so it should remain. The fruit that you produce based on being in character and asking the right questions, watch this, means that seed that comes from you perpetuates the fruit that you produce. What's the Greek word for fruit? Karpos? But it means your, your offspring are the fruit or they are the perpetuation of you. Alright? Karpos means results. Karpos means harvest. Karpos means deeds. Your character. makes me think of the scripture the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few there's a there's a lot of fruit there's a lot of results that's supposed to be manifested but you ain't got no labor to work the fruit that's supposed to come out and so that it remains meaning to continue or to endure See, anything, anything that you're producing out of your divine character in him that is associated with you asking the right things associated with character, it is supposed to be not only something that is produced, but not something that's supposed to fade away after a period of time. Look at society right now. Some of the things that we grew up with, they're no longer here. They faded away because they were temporal ideas. But isn't it something that the Lord says, if you're replicating me in the earth, what you replicate and produce is something that's not supposed to be temporal. It's supposed to be eternal. Isn't it something that when you ask the right questions in his character, you in this earthen vessel are meant to be an eternal creator. Because your character in him, if you're asking the right thing according to that character, then everything that you put your hands on in production is not meant to end with you.
It's supposed to go beyond you till eternity come. When heaven and earth pass away in this current state, but yet eternity is perpetuated, you are supposed to be part of that picture as, as, as far as the tapestry that the Lord says it was him working in the earth through you. The Lord wants it to remain. He says, whatsoever you ask, in closing, whatsoever you shall ask in my Father's name, He may give it you. Isn't that something? Jesus says anything you ask, He'll do. But the function of the Father in the asking is to give. Watch this. So could it be bishop, elder? Could it be that he wants John 3.16 to still be the product to each and every one of us. Amen. Okay, y'all looking at me hard. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten. Oh, okay, hold on. For God so loved you as an Adam that He gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him. Wait, wait a minute. Did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Let me say, wait a minute. I don't want nobody to miss it. For God so loved the world, God so loved you that he gave his only. Begotten, meaning original. No, 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 no duplication. See, watch this. Each of us are original in Christ. His only begotten son or spiritual kindred that whosoever believeth on him shall have everlasting life. Verse For God sent not his son into the world or in you to condemn you, but that you through him might be saved. So, listen, the Lord has gave a secret weapon within you which is the character of the son for you to ask that character so that you can be delivered based on the character of the son in you with the right questions that you ask. So now we ask ourselves, Lord, am I asking the right question? Lord, am I in the right character? Lord, am I letting you do a work in me? That should happen. That shouldn't be about me. But should be all about you. Yes. 
This is what the Lord, this is what I believe that the Lord has for us on this morning. This is something that hopefully it's resonating with each and every spirit in the house and those that are listening. That Lord God, ah, your character is, is based on what I'm asking. Your character is based on, on, on what should be driving me in order to be in you. Because as I'm in you, I'm on you and you in me can produce yourself externally or out of me to do your will and your purpose to bring eternity into earth. Amen. So in that we, we bless him, we bless him, we bless him, we bless him and we thank him for, for such a profound revelation that speaks to who we are in him. Amen. Amen and amen. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.